So anytime you're getting low, instead of letting go, just remember that ant. Oops, there goes another rubber tree. Oops, there goes another rubber tree. You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Now I came to rock, I came to move the crowd, I came to scream it out loud, no other choices. Hello everybody, my name is Zach. I'm Brandon. A.K.A. DJ Antball. Uh, every ant has his day. They sure do, and you're listening to Nostalgia Be Damn, the show where we take some of your favorite movies from your childhood, you know, the ones you're super nostalgic about, and we watch them objectively without the rose-colored glasses to let you know, is it worthy of your nostalgia, or are these just bad movies? This week, we watch 1998's animated adventure comedy, Ants, with a Z. Did we ever <sighs> this was one i had not seen in quite some time my friend i i think that i had watched this a bunch as a kid I, honestly i watched this more than the movie it's very often compared to a bug's life i watched this one qu- quite a bit more i think it was because you know it was a little harder edged a little naughtier there's a lot of swearing some sick action I couldn't tell you why I watched this more than A Bug's Life. I think just purely access to one of one movie over the other. Uh, I remember seeing this before A Bug's Life, and you know, I I, th- I feel like we have to get this out of the way. There's going to be a lot of comparing to Bug's Life. And uh, I'm not sure if that's a fair comparison. Well, we'll get into a little bit of the backstory and how those two movies were dueling from the production stages. Uh, and there's some, there's a, quite the rivalry that grew between DreamWorks and Disney during that time period. But was this a big hit in your family, or was this one that you watched alone no, with friends? You know, man, um, I think, and this is kind of delving into my personal life as a child, but I think I remember visiting my biological father down in Pennsylvania and he had to work or something. And this was one of the movies that he had and I just popped it in and I must've watched it like twice in a row at the time. And then from then on out, it was just like, if I could find an opportunity to watch it, I would. Um, so it's not even a movie that I owned. It just was a movie that I saw a couple of times and I always remember liking it and thinking that it was kind of cool. Do you remember the t- back in the day, dude, when you could watch a movie again and again, multiple times in a day? I-, I can't remember the last time I've ever done that. But when I was a kid, it was all the time. It-, it Just because you were so, you know, you had a limited selection of film titles and you had to use those up. I wonder if kids today with the endless amount of content, if they have that same feeling of like they watch the same stuff again and again, or if that's kind of lost now. That's That's got to be impossible to a lot of kids just because, like you said, the saturation of content that's available to you in in mere seconds is just unfathomable although i do think i watched mad max fury road twice in one day really okay yeah i'm trying to think i've definitely seen movies in theaters multiple times uh but i don't think i've ever done one in, in in the same day in a long time honestly I think the last time I did it was Mad Max Fury Fury Road, not Furry Road. That'd be funny, though. Oh, that's probably a porn title. Yeah, I'm sure it is, and I can't wait to get off this podcast and look it up. (laughs) Ants was directed by Eric Darnell and Tim Johnson. So Darnell went on to co-direct the Madagascar trilogy, 
as well as the spin-off film The Penguins of Madagascar. I did see I did see the first Madagascar and I liked it. I thought the animation in the trailers were super weird and it kind of looked a little cheap to me, but once I got into the movie, I was like, "Oh, this is kind of fun. I like the zippy animation style, how fast and quick-paced everything was." And I never bothered to see the other ones because <laughs> I had kind of grown out of it by then, but I think Madagascar was like 2005, so I was still seeing kind of most of the recent animated stuff anyway because I had sisters and siblings and would go to the theaters often as a family so yeah I caught that one and I, I like that one for the most part I never caught any of the other ones though uh that's probably a good thing I think I caught like half of Madagascar 2 and it just isn't worth looking up but you're right Madagascar 1 not bad and you know it, you can almost kind of pick out some of the animation in ants that you see in madagascar although vastly different because ants was one of the earlier cgi cartoons to come out i think that a lot of dreamworks animated films around this time and maybe even a later look very similar and i looked this up like they have a staple of directors that they use they they almost never let a director do just one director on a film it's usually always co-directed by at least two people Mm -hmm. and those two people are like swapped out on a bunch of different projects because the other guy who directed this movie, Tim Johnson, he went on to co-direct Sinbad, Legend of the Seven Seas, and Over the Hedge, as well as directing the recent or semi-recent DreamWorks movie Home. I think that had Rihanna and Jim Parsons. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. I Man, people love that movie, apparently. It sparked a spinoff television series and I think maybe a, a potential sequel. Did it really? Yeah, it's a Nep- I'm pretty sure it's a Netflix series that you can look up. Wow, no shit. Yeah, I, I I looked it up. It made a lot of money. A lot of these movies make money that I didn't expect to, but whatever. Well, I mean, you know, these are definitely kids' movies, and, you know, us being two single guys in their, you know, mid-20s, it's kind of hard for us to see the justification of seeing these kids' movies. But, man, when you got, like, a six- or seven-year-old and you just want to shut them up for two hours, fuck yeah, you go see Home. <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. But, but then it's also... You know, a strange time we're living in with animation being so kind of mature in its content. I've just like the How to Train Your Dragon movies or the Toy Story, the upcoming Toy Story. I'll see those in theaters. You know what I mean? Someone's still got to make the kids' movies. I mean, what are we going to do without Boss Baby? Ugh. Oscar nominated Boss Baby. Get out of here. Oscar nominated, soon to be sequel, Boss Baby. <laughs> Also a TV spinoff. Jeez, that's right. Netflix too, right? They're just ruining the game for everybody. (laughs) They sure are. Anyway. So Ants wound up costing about $105 million to make. It earned $90 million in the U.S. and $171 million worldwide. So a modest success anyway. It came in 21st at the U.S. box office for the year of 1998, earning less than some other family films released that year, like A Bug's Life, which was the number one kids film or family film that year, Mulan, Prince of Egypt, and the Rugrats movie, but it outgrossed The Parent Trap, Mighty Joe Young, former episode, Jack Frost, and Spice World. Ooh, wow. Couple of, couple of stay tunes in that healthy chunk what a year what a year 98 ants as a 6.6 on imdb and a 93 percent on rotten tomatoes wow insane i didn't read because so many people compare this to bug's life and i think more people had exposure to a bug's life you would like you think of this movie and you think people just didn't like it it really just kind of turns out I guess people just didn't really see it as much as they did Bugs Life or talk about it as much as they did Bugs Life. I guess not. And and to put it into 
perspective, A Bug's Life only has a 92%. So those are neck and neck critic-wise or Mm perception-wise. However, I think Bug's Life has like a 7.2 or something on IMDb, and it's Rotten Tomatoes' audience score is much higher than A Bug's Life. It seems audiences don't like this much as as the critics did, which was kind of strange to me. I thought it'd be the other way around. I yeah I don't know I I think it just doesn't connect with kids as well as a Bug's Life does because this movie is essentially a Woody Allen picture. It might as well just be like a CGI Woody Allen walking around New York City, uh, similar to Jerry Seinfeld's B movie. Yeah, very similar to Jerry Seinfeld's B movie. Actually, I I actually I'm glad you brought that up because I kind of made that connection halfway through this movie. I'm like, it's about an ant having a midlife crisis, kind of like. Jerry Seinfeld's be having a midlife crisis. <laughs> Only luckily in this film, he doesn't fall in love with a human woman, sue the human race for yes. harvesting honey, and then ruin the world's ecosystem. <laughs> Doesn't that happen at some point? That is a fucking insane movie. <laughs> That's all packed into one goddamn film. No, that doesn't happen in this movie, thank uh, God. Uh, from across the country, we still go at the same time. I should have grabbed a beer. What am I doing? <laughs> what are you doing exactly? So Wait a minute. I'm in New York. At time of recording, it's 4.30. That means it's, what, 1.30 over it's in a LA? Single what beer. are you doing? It's a single No, we're judging beer, you. No, it's just one me beer. And, me and the rest of the Nostalgia Be Damned audience is judging you well judge away boys and girls (laughs) so ants was actually dreamworks pictures first animated film and technically the second american feature-length computer animated film after toy story there was uh, a foreign film that was technically the second so this is the third ever but for american audiences yeah it's the second computer animated film have you looked up that foreign movie my god wired what we missed out (laughs) yes we did that's a bizarre looking cover and trailer (laughs) yeah but yeah you can definitely tell when you think back on it that this is one of the early cgis because i'm looking at it and i'm seeing you know some especially when they go outside of the ant colony and when they're showcasing water in a lot of shots it definitely looks like early cgi or something that i know college students could accomplish you know today it's kind of ugly <laughs> to be honest or at least the character animate their facial animations anyway oh yeah if if you're looking at all the ants kind of far away the details of them kind of converging together is kind of cool but the second they zoom in on someone's face ooh, yikeroni i think what happened here i wonder if a bug's life was one of those movies that they were they didn't necessarily have cast in mind when they were referencing the the animation i feel like ants was like completely tailored the animation is tailored to each actor to like bring their attributes in and it just makes all of them look super weird but also i commend them for making them different enough that even though they're all ants you can tell each one apart yeah you can tell by sight who's who and you're right like the gene hackman ant kind of looks like gene hackman the sylvester stallone one definitely looks like sylvester stallone even the j-lo even the j-lo one like she looks a little bit like j-lo it's a sexy ant it's a sexy sexy ant she is a sexy ant and i feel weird about saying that 
but it's her voice, you know, J-Lo's voice. What a voice cast, by the way. I can't oh my get God. over this. No. Woody Allen, you know, Stallone, Hackman, Anne Bancroft, Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. <laughs> I like that they look kind of like the actors just because it gives them a little distinction, unlike A Bug's Life, whereas they're all a uniform look. And you, while you can tell them apart, most of them all look really similar. And they're light blue. <laughs> exactly. Like, what the fuck? But you ever seen a light blue ants? If I did, I would end it all right there. Dude. Appreciate it. We can talk, though, at the end of the episode, which one we like better. But I have to get into the backstory behind the both of them. So the film began as a pitch to Disney in 1988. and It was called Army Ants. And upon leaving Disney, Jeffrey Katzenberg, who later went on with Spielberg and whatever to develop DreamWorks, he started recycling ideas that either he had been pitched but was unable to work with while working for Mike Eisner, as well as ideas he had that he could never get off the ground himself. So one of which was an animated Ten Commandments adaptation, which became The Prince of Egypt. There was also an Ardman animation collaboration, which would become Chicken Run. And the other was an adaptation of Sinbad, The Legend of the Seven Sea, one that came out with Brad Pitt there. Uh, and the fourth one was Army Ants, which I guess was supposedly an idea he had or something he heard from one of the co-directors it was a small idea that he developed on production began in 1996 on the prince of egypt that was actually set to be their very first animated movie and it, technically it was finished before ants meanwhile production was underway on pixar's second feature-length computer animated film which at that point was called bugs not with a z john lassiter and steve jobs who was working with pixar at this time thought Katzenberg stole the idea when they started reading about the upcoming ants in the trade papers. So then this began this huge rivalry because Katzenberg had worked for Disney between DreamWorks and Pixar. So it's basically a he said, you know, she said kind of situation on whether the idea was, you know, completely ripped off or not. But Lasseter claims he told Katzenberg about the idea for Bugs while they were in early pre-production. And that Katzenberg kept asking about like, when, so when is this going to be released? Like, when do you think you're going to put it out? <laughs> and then right. Prince of Egypt's release date was set back in 1995. So in 95, they said, we're taking the slot November of 1998. That's when we know our movie will be done, and that's when it will hit theaters. Disney, then to be a dick when they heard about all this Ants Bugs stuff, then set the release for Bugs on this exact same weekend, which infuriated Katzenberg. Assholes. <laughs> so, yeah. So then he went to Disney, uh, you know, begging for them to change, and when they refused to budge, he had Ants fast-tracked from its planned release in March of 1999 to come out in October of 99 to beat a bug's life by just a month and there's all these rumors about like he paid extra the, the company who was you know rendering the animation like to bust their asses to get this done in time jesus and, yeah. christ man it wound up so yeah it came out a month earlier but to comparison a bug's life earned 162 million in the u.s and 363 million dollars worldwide woof so all right well you know do you have anything else or should we just <laughs> jump in on it dude let's do it the only other thing is there was a direct-to-video sequel planned or in development but uh, upon the poor box office reception uh they canceled it cook cook uh, cook canceled yep. classic case of uh we think our movie's gonna be you know huger than it is and but they, they've had bigger successes shrek was one that he really rubbed in disney's face i think katzenberg when they finally like i think that was what announced their company as a true rival to disney and I think they've held their own for the most part over the years. They've had some really big hits, and 
their misses aren't necessarily terrible. I, I wouldn't say they've reached the heights of Pixar or even the recent Walt Disney Animation Studios stuff, but uh, I, I've got so, I've got a few movies in there, oeuvre, that uh, I still enjoy to this day. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'd say I'd put them, if we're going to put, if we're going to have Disney and Pixar, t- two separate ones, I probably put DreamWorks at third. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with bronze, right? Is that it? There was a silk. Silver? Silver is second, bronze is third. Do you know nothing about sports? What's gold? Does that mean you won? Oh, God. You probably got the bronze medal in everything. <laughs> Whoa, dude. Come on. That's rough. That really hurts my feelings. Except reading because you can't. Yeah, they didn't even award me a medal then. All right. Let's do this. Ants with a Z. I was really taken back when I first saw the DreamWorks like logo. What's bizarre is that you don't hear the, like, the bow down, ticka down, ticka ticka, you know, the kid on the banjo there as he's casting his rod there. You don't hear that. You hear the music underneath. I thought that was kind of strange. Maybe they didn't have a theme ready yet because they had to fast track everything. But I'm curious to know which DreamWorks movie had the first, you know, little banjo pluck or ukulele pluck or whatever that kid's playing. Nah, I don't care. Whatever. We get some cool little magnifying glass uh, credits and we are introduced to our hero, Z, played by Woody Allen. He is in ant therapy, and uh, he's Woody Allen as an ant, exactly how you'd picture Woody Allen as an ant acting. He's uh, pessimistic, neurotic. He's Woody allen as, but, you know, ant, an ant. Yeah, it's clever-ish. He's, uh, his named Z, which is strange because other ants have names. I thought, like, all of them were going to be giving an alphabet. I think it stands for, like, Z4195 or some shit, but... And then I was like, oh, wait, maybe it's just worker ants that are only named like these this cheaply. And then, no, it turns out like all the other worker ants or most of them have names. So I'm confused as to why he's just named whatever. You know, this is a this is a strange movie because obviously it's an animation animated film and it I can't remember any of the marketing how it was geared i'd imagine it was geared for kids this is like some pretty heavy tone for kids because this movie is anti-military anti-classism it it touches on marxism at certain points there's a lot going on uh to, to, to ants yeah and midlife crisis it's all over the place yeah not a lot of topics that i feel would appeal to kids right off the top <laughs> no but anyway uh z is uh you know he's not happy with his place in the world he he thinks you know he's not really given a choice as to what he does to which his therapist responds exactly now you're getting it Go out there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because because he feels insignificant. He's like, exactly. You've made a real breakthrough. You are insignificant. <laughs> Z is a worker ant. He's working on this project that the whole, you know, most of the colony is working on, except for the soldiers. You know, he's pessimistic. Again, it's it's a long setup of him just being like, there's got to be something fucking better than this, right? <laughs> yeah, he might as well have the black, thick rimmed glasses on, smoking a cigarette or something. Yeah. But I do really like this world. It's pretty well detailed. I like how each of the baby ants, the, like the larvae, are given a job immediately just like looking at them like, you're a worker, you're a soldier, and they're just handed the tools to go. Like, kind of like Boss Baby. <laughs> Stop bringing up Boss Baby. Have you watched that again recently? Oh, no. It, no, 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 but I might. <laughs> it just sticks with oh, you. God. Oh, it does stick with you, man. That's like an STD. This is a call to action. Go watch Boss Baby. <laughs> Have, like, several drinks, or, you know, if marijuana's, or if marijuana's legal in your state, go ahead, 
get have some marijuana, have some alcohol, and watch Boss Baby. Just do it. We don't endorse this. We can't endorse this. Legally. So, another named aunt, Azteca, she's like his best friend. It's J-Lo, and she loves her work. The entire time, though, I'm watching these two, they have a fun little rapport, but, like, I kept thinking, can you imagine Jennifer Lopez and Woody Allen hanging out in real life? (laughs) Yeah, that is a scary prospect. Yeah. Oh, man. I Yeah, I don't I don't picture these two talking to each other ever in their lives. Do you think they met <laughs> when they made this movie? Absolutely not, dude. She walked right past him at the premiere. Yeah. Maybe he had no idea who he was. They're, they're doing this whole, like, they create a giant wrecking ball of ants, and they're trying to, t- what is it, the whole be the ball, and he literally drops the ball, and he just establishes a real fuck up, you know, even as an ant... He's, this isn't where he belongs, and he wants something more. Then we get introduced to General Mandible, who is probably my favorite character, or at least, dude, he's a badass villain. I must say, and I know we won't talk about, it's hard to talk about Woody Allen, and this is, to bring this guy into the mix, and I apologize for everyone, but, uh, you know, you compare this villain to, I think, Kevin Spacey's villain in A Bug's Life. They both have kind of similar takes on what their goals are, but his plot is fucking dark, dude. This is a really dark villain. You look at Bug's Life, and I was actually talking to a couple of friends about this the other day. A Bug's Life kind of touches on imperialism. You know, it's like a foreign in a foreign invaders coming and taking away the natural resources of the ants who are doing all the work you know it's it's kind of like that this movie i i hate to say it it borders on genocide it's like ethnic cleansing it's crazy (laughs) yeah no you're right it's really dark and it's all like your own people doing this too the government's responsible for it anyway they're literally digging their own graves in this movie it's super dark man i like but i love his vocal performance he swears the whole way through it again we don't get any harsh stuff but it's hell damn and yeah his uh, right hand man colonel cutter that's christopher walken and i want why did he take this role like it's a real nothing role until the very end he's given anything to do but like yeah he's it's just really throws me it takes me out of it i would say almost out of all of the the voice performances in this he's the one that stands out to me that's like what is why is it christopher walken he probably took it for the paycheck but you're right this could have been cast by literally anybody colonel cutter general mandible mandible's going over his plan about some impending termite attack and he's going to get permission from the queen to send in some troops to, you know, to get the element of surprise. And Cutter believes it's a suicide mission from the start. But it seems as though, you know, Gene Hackman's character knows this and is going along with it purposefully because of that reason. So we'll, we'll touch on what his ultimate plan is, I guess, a bit later once it's unfolded. Or does he, does he give it all away in the beginning here? No, they don't give it away until, like, way, way towards the end of the movie. But uh, he even, like, has, like, a list of loyal soldiers assembled and he's like all right those are the guys that are going to die like he just like outright says that he's like all right these guys then then we get introduced to princess bala miss bala do you see that trailer gina rodriguez miss bala i see it all the time and i don't want to see that movie yeah no thanks she's the queen's daughter i mean i guess they're all the queen's daughters or sons but because she's the one who's going to carry on the job when the queen dies i guess she's just the next in i don't know what made her special from birth like why they just need it i guess i don't know (laughs) yeah sharon stone why did i think it was annette benning dude I thought it was Annette Benning for the longest goddamn time. Holy shit. Yeah, it's Sharon Stone. God, what an asshole. I, I have no idea. 
Yeah, well, she's got some sexy eyes, I will say that. She's uh, wanting some alone time with her fiance. This is Gene Hackman. They they barely ever talk. I love when he's like, can you schedule some time? Talking to Colonel Cutter, can you schedule some time for me to have it's some... Like, There's a couple <laughs> seconds. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to be anywhere for a couple seconds. We're at a schedule. He's like, awesome. So, what's up? <laughs> he's just like, how's your day? He's like, well, we declared war, and <laughs> that's it. We're on to basically this bar scene where... Uh, Z is kind of moping about where we get his another best friend of his is played by Sylvester Stallone. What is he, Corporal Weaver? Yeah, I I don't know, man. I, if if it wasn't Z or Bala, I really just kind of got lost. Well, he you can't lose him because he's fucking ripped, dude. Shredded, this ant is. Sylvester Stallone, man. I love the guy. I would never really cast him in a voice acting stint. It is a weird, it's a weird decision. But he does okay in this movie. Yeah, I kind of like him, honestly. Like, he, it, it doesn't seem like something that should fit when you see him deliver some of his performances. And, you know, his speech pattern is definitely, you know, instantly recognizable. But I just wouldn't Rough. see it. <laughs> yeah, it's funny enough, this Arnold Schwarzenegger was originally offered the part. But he turned it down because he wanted to get some money, and Stallone agreed to do it for free. So <laughs> I guess he did this for free. <laughs> did he really? Woody Allen, according to IMDb Trivia, did all of his work in five days. So if he could do it the entire movie in five days, I couldn't see why Stallone couldn't do this a day of work. Yeah, Stallone got it done in, like, yeah, less than an hour. <laughs> But yeah, he's, you know, he in love with his job. He's the soldier ant and he wants to hang around with some chicks. He, you know, yeah, he gets to see the world and fight some battles and he's ripped, but he never gets time alone with the ladies, which, you know, Z, Woody Allen, he's just given up on love. He figures, you know what? No one's going to love me. I'm just a piece of shit. My life sucks. In comes Sharon Stone as Princess Bala. She wants to get down and dirty with the locals because she's sick of her stuffy life, dude. She wants to let it rip. She wants to whip her hair back and forth. I So uh, on that note, we get a pretty awkward animated dance scene. Yeah, ants move strangely here. I think that's kind of the point. It reminded me, have you seen the movie The Favorite yet? No, not yet. I'm, that's next on my list as soon as I can. Well, check it out. There's a funny... There's a- funny dance sequence in that in which like everyone's dancing very prim and proper and then these two people just start doing some bizarre weird ass dance that everyone just kind of goes along with and watches but it reminded me a lot of this where she's everyone's dancing the exact same way and you know the idea of we should be different be your own person be unique that starts kicking in here when he says why do we have to dance like everyone else there's a whole little number he winds up getting a fucking smooch at the end because she's torn away she's got to go but yeah, he instantly falls in love with her and wants to meet her again. He keeps going back to the bar every night and she's never there. And for the first time in a long time, though, he's super happy. He's singing a song at work and JLo's like, what's up your ass, bro? We also have to kind of mention, too, something we skipped over. There's a crazy old drunk aunt at the bar who mentions something called Insectopia. Oh, yeah. You know, it's pretty much like... Their version of like weird heaven where the streets are paved with food and it's outdoors and everybody's their own bug. You know, that'll play in later, but it's just something that kind of gets dropped in a bar scene. So fast forward now, Z is like, I got to meet this princess again. Um, The next time that the princess is going to be available for viewing is apparently this military review or parade or whatever. So he convinces Sylvester Stallone's aunt, whose name I, of course, forgot. 
Corporal Weaver. Corporal Weaver to switch places with him, you know, let him be a worker and meet some girls and, you know, have some time off for a little bit. He goes, impersonates a soldier, gets to see the princess. Yeah, not knowing. I mean, he says, it'll be for just a day. I'll be back and, you know, we could switch back. Everything will be fine. Not knowing that they're going to war after this. So there's this, it's the Royal Review and he befriends, you know, a hardened badass aunt, Barbados, played by Danny Glover, who takes a shine to Z, you know, tells him he'll protect him because he just thinks he's funny and neurotic and weird. And we get some bad, I love this animation. This, this whole bit right here, the next five to six minutes was my favorite part as a kid. Uh, cause it's Where they're marching intense. The march and the fight, dude. Yeah. yeah, it's insane. But yeah, it's nighttime. They go marching. They do the whole ants go marching one by one. Hurrah. <laughs> it's, it's really good. I like it's dark. It's creepy. And once they get to this place, dude, holy shit. It turns into Starship Troopers. I was going to say it's like the fucking Omaha beach scene from Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> These termites are tearing shit up, and they've got these, like, holes on the top of their head that shoots green acid that's burning the ants alive. Is that anatomically correct, by the way? Dude, it fucking better not be. I don't think so. (laughs) If if that's the case, I never want to see any more termites again in my life. (laughs) Holy fuck. But it's so violent, these ants are, like, running on top of them, stabbing into them with spears and shit, and... They're getting decapitated here and there. It's fucking crazy. But I love the animation. This is badass. I don't think they'd put this in a little kid's movie. To, this wouldn't be in a PG movie today, I don't think. It's violent. Oh, fuck no. No, this movie gets turned into PG-13 from that scene alone. I think they would definitely cut down on all of the language. Uh, and, and yeah, at least bring some of the violence back on this. Because they're screaming. They've got these giant pincers that <laughs> literally just tearing into all these ants. It's awesome. And honestly, let's just get it out of the way, Brandon. Not enough fart jokes in this movie. Where are the fart jokes? I didn't count a single fart joke. Not a single fart joke. What the fuck? I almost kicked a hole in my TV when I when the, the credits started playing. I fast-forwarded to the end to see if there was a fart joke. There's no fart joke stinger, dude. I went ahead and kicked my dog. I was pissed. <laughs> Jeez. I'm going to write a sternly worded email to the creators of Ants begging them, imploring to them to somewhere insert just a quick little squeaky fart. Dear Mr. Woody Allen, <laughs> how fucking dare you, sir? <laughs> I've just finished 1999's Ants. To betray my confidence, my trust. Yikes. Yeah, because that's the one thing that Woody Allen needs uh, complaining to. Oh, good Lord. I'm sure he gets many letters a day, and they're all much more strongly worded, and deservedly so. <laughs> Ooh, yikes. Moving on. <laughs> so, in the heat of battle, Z winds up falling through this hole in the ground, and a termite corpse falls on top, so he is safe. Meanwhile, Stallone and J-Lo are getting super friendly. I mean, they're both buff. They're both, they both love digging dirt. We're one bar scene away from getting like solid fucking ant sex. (laughs) Dear Mr. Woody Allen, how dare you, sir? Oh my God. How dare you call this entertainment when you don't have a single fart or a single ant sex scene? Sir, sir. Sir. Don't put a Z in the title if you're not going to show the ants fuck. 
Although that does set up nicely for the ants porno that I have in my head. Good lord. Why do you have that in your head? What are you talking about? What's going on, Zach? Are you all right? Well, no, I'm producing porn now. Did I not tell you Ant porn? Like insect porn? Well, no, it'll be normal porn like every other porn parody, but it'll be ants. I don't, I just don't get, so are you using ants or human people as playing ants? You know what, Brandon? Uh, why don't you go ahead, get a premium Pornhub account, and come back to me, and we'll find <laughs> out. I don't have to get one, dude. I already got one. First <laughs> oh, yeah. purchase I ever made with my card, my debit card. Yeah, Right. I forgot about that. I'm a valued member. I'm a premium, premium member. That's a whole other class of members. I appreciate you sharing that password with me, by the way. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, not anymore, dude. Now the FBI knows. Shit. Shit! Anyway. Uh, yeah. The next morning, Z awakens uh, to the entire platoon massacred. Everyone is dead. There are just dead corpses as far as the eye can see. And he finds Barbados' head. So Barbados tells him as he's dying, you know, don't follow orders. Basically be yourself. And he croaks. Z returns to the colony and is declared a goddamn war hero because he is the sole survivor of this ant massacre. I love when he when he arrives home. There's signs that say "Welcome home, troops," but the S is crossed out. <laughs> it's pretty funny. And and it was like uh, termite zero ants one. Or something. <laughs> pretty clever. I like that. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. General Mandible. He is super pissed that someone made it out alive, but they do get word that the entire termite, you know, army was decimated. So win win. He, he's at this point. I'm sure he's pretty happy, except for the fact that he's got one guy who survived. I mean, what benefit is it to fucking exterminate the termites? They have nothing to do with the ants. Exactly, dude. And that's the message of ants. So Z goes up to meet the queen because the queen is insisting on meeting the war hero. There he obviously spots uh, Princess Bala and he fucks this up, man. Like all he had to do was play it like relatively cool. And he's just like an asshole from the start, like, in you know, like breaking protocol and like purring at the princess it's gross yeah he forces her to recognize him basically and when she finally does calls him out that he's a worker everyone starts freaking out then it also reveals that she's been to the bar when she wasn't supposed to be and then out of nowhere he fucking manhandles her grabs her almost like he's gonna take her hostage <laughs> everyone's like what are you doing again this started so easily i don't you could like you you would be declared a warrior everyone would love you but you gotta fuck it up immediately yeah your life from here on out was fucking sweet dude all you had to do was chill i noticed that a lot of dreamworks movies do the whole liar revealed storyline like the shark tale and even even like how to train your dragon most of them have that like oh i hope i'm not found out for what i truly am i do appreciate that the movie just jumps right to that immediately and everyone finds out he's a fraud oh, yeah. <laughs> like i was i was i forgot this movie uh, parts of this movie and i was wondering if this they dragged this out a bit you know you expect like rotel dorado where they're like he's bathed in riches and all this shit but instead it's like no he's thrown down the trash chute with her and they're chased by soldiers and there's this whole magnifying glass scene where they're eviscerated his life on the mountaintop is like minutes long <laughs> yeah exactly classic woody allen uh <laughs> story arc i guess character arc yeah but anyway they do fall down the trash compactor again we get that uh that magnifying glass scene which is fucking dark as hell again because you just see an ant like turn to dust <laughs> and he's like looking up like it's beautiful yeah like avengers just like dead 
<laughs> Basically a giant ass sky beam, yeah. They end up escaping the magnifying glass and you know, Princess Ball is like, Alright, well, take me back and Z's you know, why the fuck would I do that? I'm leaving. I'm going to find Insectopia. Yeah, they're pl- they're planning on killing me. Because it's a thing. You can follow me or not. And she initially, you know, decides not to. And she gets on top of this giant ass praying mantis. Which, again, I like the scale, you know, discrepancies here. I like the fact that, you know, some bugs are more big than others. Unlike in, in, in A Bug's Life for the most part. But he's spotting, he's looking for a monolith. I think he spots that, which is, just, you know, so he sets off toward I, it. I do have to say, this movie also follows that weird, like you know, Goofy versus Pluto thing where, like, half of the bugs are cognizant and the other half are just monsters. Also true. Yep, yep. Or, like, the lamb before time. Yeah, I don't get it. They can only have so many <laughs> famous people voice characters, Zach. Yeah, I, okay, not the point. Anyway. Or or maybe not, because apparently Stallone's doing shit for free, so I don't, who knows? Yeah. Back at the colony, Z's story is, you know, getting embellished, it's getting shared around, and he's kind of inspiring the workers to stop digging and basically sparks a fucking all-out revolution. <laughs> a workers' revolution. <laughs> yeah. So then we get into like union rights stuff and all There's kinds even of... there's a Marxist quote in it. I'm sorry, there was a Marxist quote in the middle of this scene where it's like the the power of the or the oh the means the means of production belong to the workers or something like that. It's again, yeah. Over, I'm sure over quite a bit of kids' heads. <laughs> yeah, like I, I'm sure it's over a couple of adults' heads. I know, Brandon. <laughs> you can't read. <laughs> anyway, so the monolith turns out to be a big ass bird feeder, which drops some water on our ants, trapping them inside. Yeah, like the water droplets, because then they. You know, they escape the bubble or whatever it is, and they go to the quote-unquote lake. It's really just like a small puddle. And again, the water here to me looks kind of a little weird, like very early animation. It The animation doesn't really hold up in a lot of parts of this movie, but, it, you know, it's the second CGI cartoon ever, so it's okay. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I, you look at this compared to even Toy Story. Uh, the facial animation, especially on characters like Sid, the humans that they do decide to animate in Toy Story, you know, this is on par with that, maybe even better on the face, you know what I mean? Like, because whenever they animate human faces in those earlier Pixar movies, you could tell it's it's <laughs> it's a bit funky until probably the it's Incredibles bizarre, when, yeah. they, when they, you know, they kind of started mastering it uh, and getting better and better. And now it's, you know, it's pretty solid. I really like the way that, but they've always played upon kind of the more abstract, less human-like animation anyway into their those characters. So that that's always kind of played into their favor. But when they're doing these ants, I don't know, it, they're, you know, they're ants. So I don't I don't necessarily need them to look quite human, but they do, which is kind of disturbing. So, you know, it's a trade-off. A lot of the like environments like I noticed looking back at it, a lot of the grass like it all looks the same. It looks almost copied and pasted. It you know the colors are all a little weird or just like don't really blend well together. So it's you know it's early and they do what they do and you know with what they can from the time. But it's you know it's forgivable again just based on how old the movie is. So once they are at the monolith, Abala agrees. You know she'll venture toward Insectopia as long as he agrees to bring her back home. If they can't find it, she's starting to like him a little bit more as they go along. And by the end of this, Stockholm gonna, Syndrome. Yeah, exactly. This happens quite a bit. There's also a scene where he grabs her arms a bunch when they're first, like, thrown out of the trash chute. He's yanking her and pulling her all around. And I was like, calm down there, Woody Allen. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, this is Stockholm Syndrome. It is what it is. So we get, I think, what might be my two favorite characters in this movie. They're in here super briefly, and it's one of them's Dan Aykroyd, and who's the woman there? Yeah. Oh, Jane Curtin. So it's 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 Chip and Muffy the Wasp, and they're both these like sophisticated, pompous wasps, and they're they're talking very stuffily. They're like Miffy Buffy, and they're talking down to the two ants. Like these are crawling insects. So when she go, first goes to talk to them, she's like, "Hello, down there." Like they're slow. Like they're really dirty to like eh, gross <laughs> and yeah it's like charity helping them out because he can't get into the plastic because what i failed to mention they, they arrive at what looks like a picnic area from the human perspective there's giant but it to them it looks like some giant ass you know mountain dew pepsi cans and a sandwich wrapped in saran wrap yeah interesting how they got sponsorship in this movie by the way pepsi products there was a titleist golf ball at the very beginning of this movie <laughs> they're all over the place but as they're chatting she's like she agrees to help them and whatnot to get in i guess humans move in slow motion in this world but a giant ass fly swatter comes out and (laughs) i laugh so hard when he's like oh no miffy i think it's um kind of like that perspective thing like have you ever like if you watch like kind of like the giants in like some other movies like have you ever seen the troll movie where like the giant troll is walking really slow i think it was it's just like a perspective oh yeah troll hunter yeah troll hunter i think it's just kind of more like a perspective thing like they look like they're walking in slow motion because they're so big plus ants do move pretty fast I guess you're right, yeah, because I guess I equate it to like a Pacific Rim or Kong Skull Island where, yeah, they're just moving at kind of a slower pace because they're so gargantuan. But yeah, the shoes come down. He flies off. Dan Aykroyd's uh, wasp all miserable and sad because his wife just got murdered in front of us. And, uh, you know, Sharon Stone's aunt gets stuck. Miss Bala, Princess Bala, she gets stuck in the gum on the bottom of the shoe. And there's this pretty clever little action scene where he's stuck on the shoelace and flying through and gets, you know, caught in the gum with her eventually and you know discarded on an abraham lincoln coin who the hell is that <laughs> he's getting scraped off and thrown into the trash trailer and line. the trash yes it was and the trash turns out to be insectopia and it's a garbage can which you know there's some funny kind of irony in that i guess it's you know their their idea of utopia and perfect you know civilization is our literal trash yeah, there's a lot of fun to be had from their perspective on what things look like. I like the idea of, you know, Insectopia being just a trash bin. I will say I really applaud the filmmakers for holding one of their f- best jokes for the very last shot to really reveal what's going down. Uh, I really, I, I think that's pretty clever the way they do that, how everything's in such close proximity to each other. But the trash bin's a clever idea. I like it. At this point, all of the workers have decided to quit working and then Gene Hackman, you know, builds them all back up, basically, you know, gives them a, a speech like, you know, if everyone loves Z so much and he loves us so much, why the hell isn't he here? You know, he doesn't give a, he doesn't give a damn about you. You know, really putting the fear of God in them all. And he says, you know, I'll give you guys all the day off. We're building a better colony. That's what's important is the colony. People don't make, you know, one person doesn't mean shit. We're going to have less work, more food. You know, it's, he's, he's just trying to reignite a spark in the workers. Meanwhile, he notices that uh, Weaver is in the crowd and he's like, that's a soldier. That's not a worker. That's a soldier. Bring him to me. We're going to torture the shit out of him until he tells us where Z is. 
even bring Azteca, J-Lo's character, in and threaten to hurt her. There's even some off-camera violence, I think. You hear her, like, in pain. Yeah, uh, which, so he caves and he's like, okay, he was he's probably headed to some ridiculous insectopia that doesn't exist. Gene Hackman's character is like, no, nah, I know where that is. Go get him. <laughs> I can just send, yeah, exactly. yeah. just sends Christopher Walken's character. How does he know about it? That's the thing is like, if he's actually been there, why did he come back? Why do any of the ants stay? Like I, cause they're not trapped in there. I don't know how he learned of it or whatever, but I don't know why he'd come back if it's such a paradise, but I guess it's just his, his character is such, you know, so dedicated to the mission, the cause at hand. Anyway, uh, so he sends Cutter out there to go find Z and Bala. They're just like trying to showcase that Z and Bala are becoming closer together. The Stockholm Syndrome is really starting to set in, so she's trying to make out with Z, but Z is asked by the other bugs to go get more wood for the fire, so off he goes when Cutter shows up. Stoner bugs, dude. Yeah, the stoner bugs, the hippie bugs. It's a hippie commie. Yeah, they're talking about... What if we were just little tiny things and the universe is so much bigger than we could ever understand? Stupid bugs. Wow, bro. Stupid bugs. Yeah, getting ripped over there. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, but that's when Cutter shows up and Bala is like, oh, uh, Z died. Don't worry about him. So he takes her back to the colony. Z decides like, yeah, I could stay in Insectopia, but I gotta go fucking rescue bala so dan Aykroyd's b decides to take him back even though he's drunk <laughs> yeah he climbs out of like what a tequila bottle or something i have no idea what he, i thought it was like a beer bottle i don't know i have no idea whatever it was he's drunk af stumbling all around can barely fly burping and just mourning the loss of his wife kind of dark as well you know what's also weird is dan Aykroyd's second build in this yeah oh wait it must be it must be alphabetical now that I'm thinking of it. Alan Aykroyd, wow. Gene Hackman showed up like second and Walken was last. So yeah, I guess you're right. Hey wow. Um Wilson would be last. See, I can read a little. I can read a little, dude. Well, don't all right. I know that your roommate was in the was in the room <laughs> reading you the credits. Don't Okay, you can't fool me. You can't fool the audience. Don't try and lie to us. But yeah, that's the end of Dan Aykroyd's character. Like, you never see it again. No, he probably fucking kills himself. Yeah, he probably fucking kills himself. Anyway, uh, so Bala is being held prisoner, and this is when she starts to get an idea of what's going on because it's opening day. The workers are about to break through on their quote-unquote main tunnel or mega tunnel, whatever the fuck it was called. Uh, Z comes in and eventually rescues her, and that's when the plan is finally revealed. Cutter is going to drown, or not Cutter, Gene Hackman character, I can't remember the general's name, because why the fuck would I? General Mandible. Yes, Mandible is going to drown all of the worker ants <laughs> inside the mega tunnel because he's digging a tunnel into the lake. So he is literally ethnically cleansing the ant colony so they can restart with Bala as his queen and repopulate the colony. Now, does he plan on moving them away or rebuilding from once they're all drowned out? Well, they seal off the main colony and like, that's right. Yes. Yep. So I'd imagine he's just like moving them back into the main colony next to the mass grave that he's just created. Yeah. Holy shit, dude. This is dark. Yeah, it's really dark. And I don't know how you market this to kids, man. There's just like 
it really is not a kid's movie. The more and more it sets in, this movie is just not for children. So at this tunnel opening ceremony, the queen is giving a speech and Bala and Z are eventually get trapped inside because they, you know, leap inside as the barricades are falling down and yeah, tunnels are sealed and it sets off what I think is honestly a pretty awesome climax. Like I love the last like 10, 15 minutes of this movie as it, you know, finally wraps up like this whole scene right here. It reminds me of, I mean, countless movies like Finding Nemo when they have to swim to the bottom of the net to get the boat to tip over or whatever. It's just, you know, a mat making sure the mass of people are able to work together to solve this problem. So as the water comes, you know, rushing in after he's been reunited with J-Lo and Sylvester Stallone, you know, they decide let's build a ladder to get to the top so we can dig our way out. And that's what they do. Everyone starts, you know, it's Stallone because he's the biggest. He's kind of the base and people get, gather around him and they build a giant ass ant ladder. Yeah, they build a ant ladder to heaven. It's pretty cool. Uh, we get a scene where like the the ground starts to break around everybody. It's it's actually like visually one of the cooler things in this movie. Yeah, because he's congratulating his soldiers on being the best of the best. And Z's hand plunges through like a goddamn zombie. And he starts begging for help. It's pretty cool. And this is Cutter's come to God moment when he realizes this is fucked up. I need to help all of the worker ants <laughs> and mandible freaks out. He's like, ah, you're a traitor. I'm going to kill you and jumps in. Z pushes cutter out of the way. They quickly plunge down into the water below. Well, not everybody because mandible hits a fucking branch or something and dies instantly. <laughs> yeah, man, he gets smirked. This thing is violent. It's like a crushing sound and bam, it's awesome. I blinked and missed the point of impact, but it sounded so violent I had to rewind it. And my <laughs> God, was it ever violent? This is awesome, though. And Cutter jumps into the water to save him, and they wind up getting every single person out. I just like the, it's it's intense. There's like some swearing. I like the music, <laughs> dude. It's just it, honestly, it's kind of an intense animated movie climax. Yeah, I mean, because like at the bottom, like the water's filling up. Stallone's got to hold his breath to like keep everyone afloat, and it's pretty good. There's a lot happening in here, and none of it feels like too forced. You know? No, that's the thing. Everyone like the character actions make sense. They seem like rash, not rational decisions because Gene Hackman's a fucking psycho. But what they've set him up, like he's been planning this all along and it all seems kind of to fit with what he's been going for anyway so everybody's saved everybody's happy and this is where you get that last joke that you were talking about we pull out and we get z doing a voiceover he's talking about how him and bala have a quote small family just a a million ants or two and it turns out that this ant colony is just like in some weird remote section of central park they're, they've been in New York City the whole time, Brandon. <gasps> oh. Shyamalan twist. Woody Allen twist. But it's not a twist because it's Woody Allen. That's a Woody Allen twist that everybody kind of expected anyway. It's probably something he forced upon the producers. Like, <laughs> But you're right. Like It puts the whole movie again into perspective because they pull out and what seemed like miles and miles and miles of land and wilderness 
it's it was like all a foot of Central Park. Yeah, I think that's super clever because at no point did they break that. When you're in the ant world, you're always in the ant world, and so it's it's very rarely do you see the perspective of them seeming very small, except for these wide exteriors to show like the ants marching or or this or that. But even when they're on other insects or they're you know on the shoe, it never shows kind of the, you know where you actually are. It's all these up close detailed shots of nature. So I think it's a really well you know, well-held hand that they wait to the very end of this movie to show, oh, because it's literally like the trash can's a foot away from the monolith, the, the bird feeder, which is, again, like three feet away from their colony there. It's just all, it's all pretty clever. I like it. No, it's its its funny. It's cute. And uh, it, it does kind of give you a good sense of the scope of this movie and how well they did kind of scaling everything in it. Um, but, I mean, that's it. Fade to black. That's Ants. We get this fucking awesome uh, Doris Day cover of High Hopes, which I've always loved. I always loved it, even when I was a kid. And I listened to it again after the movie ended. I did, too. That's Ants. Uh, Tell me what you thought. Yeah, man. I think it's, you know... (sighs) For the second you know, animated American uh, computer animated film, I think this one holds up. The animation is a bit kind of funky at times, but I think the nostalgia of it, actually, this is one of the first, I think, computer animated movies where I felt the real nostalgia, maybe along with Dinosaur, but I, I, I feel it more so here where I remember how new this all was, kind of with Shrek, I guess, being its like third or fourth animated movie. Uh, th- this movie really reminded me of how wowed i like this was a big fucking deal to see animation in this form we had never seen it before that the only other time other time i had seen it was toy story and by this time i think this probably was because I, I know i saw this when it first came out on a dvd i don't think i or, or vhs rather because i didn't see this in theaters but it was one that i saw pretty recently after its release and so this was probably the second time i've had ever seen computer animated uh fully length animated film and i i think that it holds up for the most part the story i really like and i think the message you know because at the end of course they transform the colony into you know it's not a military state it's a community that values all of its members and i i think it's a little on the nose but i think for a kids movie that stuff works really well it's technically geared towards maybe a teenage audience or even adults honestly when it comes down to it because a lot of the themes a lot of the the story plot elements that resemble other, you know, war movies or road movies, stuff like that. I think it comes together pretty well. I think the cast is on point. And I got to say, this was a movie I, I think was better than I remembered. And I'm actually glad I revisited it. It's got a 93%. If I'm being honest with myself, I do think I may like A Bug's Life a little better. And I think it's just because it has more of an emotional... It, it, because it doesn't have really any sad moments or anything like that, but the character, I think, he he has a more of a noble quest while being a fuck-up. Woody Allen's character, you follow through the whole thing, and it's really just him trying to escape his, like, he doesn't really give a shit about anyone else. He kind of wants to just better himself, and I feel like in A Bug's Life, he's doing something for the right reasons and i do think that maybe the animation might be just a little better or the music because i love a bug's life score this is good too but i I think a bug's life might stand a hair taller uh but when it all comes down to it i'll give this an 80 okay fair enough um i'm i'm right there with you i think this movie holds up remarkably well i'm not gonna recommend it for kids sometimes we like to say like would you show this kids movie to your kids you know now and i don't think i would i think i'd 
rather recommend this movie to like a high school history teacher or something like that. Like there's tones in this that are lost on the 11 and 12 year olds, but not on the 16 year olds who are learning about military states who are, or who are learning about classism or, you know, just what it takes to be a community. I think that kind of fits in more for that crowd. Now, in terms of a movie, uh, you know, the animation has its issues, but again, we've mentioned this before. It, it is strictly just because of when it was made. This is the late nineties. I'm not expecting a lot from CGI. And I think for the most part, it doesn't look terrible given what they had. I also felt a twinge of nostalgia for this movie. I think the story is well put together. I didn't feel bored at any point except for maybe a couple of the romance scenes because I don't really feel that chemistry between Sharon Stone and Woody Allen quite that much. <laughs> nor do I want to. Yeah, feel nor it. do I want to feel it. It's just not really there for me. I I always think I'm I'm kind of back and forth on Woody Allen as a leading man sometimes. Like, it has to be the right movie. I, I think it's good. If I'm going to have to pick the two, honestly, man, just out of the ones that I, I think more on, I think of Ants more than I think of A Bug's Life. And maybe it's just because it's my perspective now because this, you know, A Bug's Life is geared more towards a younger audience and this movie you could make the argument is probably geared more towards what age i am now but i still you know if i think back on my childhood on movies about bugs that i that i used to watch a lot it was ants and i think it's a good enough movie to hold up where i would pick ants over a bug's life today um there's definitely things that a bug's life does better than ants but i think kind of vice versa for this movie too um i'm gonna say though that i don't think it's like a high 90s movie i'm gonna give it an 85 overall um good movie i think if you remember it or haven't seen it worth watching today um maybe not showing to your kids though yeah i agree man glad we got to watch it it's a movie that we've kind of had on our list for a long time and uh who would have known that it was going to be you know that that good we gotta also put a goddamn kibosh or a pause at least for a few weeks on any dreamworks titles because we have oh plowed yeah. through We're... them recently but i want to know out of the four we've watched this one road to el dorado chicken run or shrek disregarding whatever you may have given them critically because i mean who the fuck remember i can't remember the score i the specific score but like what would you say was your favorite out of those four chicken run probably uh yeah I I like Chicken Run, man. And honestly, very similar. I think Chicken Run and this movie like have a lot of like those like really profound dark messages and themes that are running underneath. Yeah, there's a lot of dark undertones, but I I mean, I've always kind of liked that in my children's movies, I guess. <laughs> but I'm going to say Chicken Run. I, It'd be a toss-up between Chicken Run and Shrek for me, I think. Yeah, I Shrek Shrek's I don't know, man. Those those are also four vastly different movies. Like it's kind of tough they are. to compare yeah. like Shrek to a movie like Ants or Chicken Run, just because Shrek is you know Shrek is fart jokes and and like stinky ogre jokes and pop culture references. So and you this, see, yeah, so you see why it appeals to me. Yeah, exactly. I oh, I totally get that. <laughs> but you know, and then <laughs> Ants Ants is a movie that like has weird social commentary built into it so I, th I think it's tough to compare them but i think out of all of them chicken run probably sticks with me nice all right well uh before we get into next week's 
film selection. Do you have anything you'd like to recommend or not recommend? I have a rare two recommends this week. Um, I'll start. Yeah, I'll start with one that, uh, you know, uh, uh, the one that I'll have less to say about. Uh, I got on HBO and watched uh, the Leaving Neverland documentaries. Uh, If you're into documentaries, watch that one because holy shit. Uh, people should stop talking about Michael Jackson for the rest of their lives. It is dark uh, what happens in that documentary um, and what these what these victims say happened and the way that Michael Jackson really kind of just used his fame and and star status to take advantage of of really young kids. It can have your own opinions formed, but I don't think you can have an opinion without watching this documentary. The other one I watched, uh, I actually went to the theater to go see. I can't remember if you recommended it earlier or not, but I'm going to go ahead and give it a recommend. Uh, I finally saw Best Picture Green Book. Um, And, you know, it's funny because there's been a lot of controversy about this movie, about Dr. Shirley's family not, you know, not liking it saying that it's a bunch of lies i think if you look at that movie without knowing that it's a true story and without any you know thought given to whether or not there's all this controversy around it it is deep down a good movie with a good core message in it about you know acknowledging other people's differences and struggles and backgrounds um it's a fantastic movie i still think roma was probably a better movie than than it but i wholly recommend going to see green book but just like the michael jackson movie do your research before you go and see it learn about the real green book learn about the real dr shirley and tony lip uh and then go see the movie and enjoy it for what it is yeah i i think winning best picture will be the thing that hurts green book the most like yeah it's sad that like everyone they do that often every once in a while there'll be something i mean i remember when crash won and everyone shit all over that and, and and had a lot to say about how that film was very, you know, white savory and, and coming from the wrong perspective. Yeah, and, and it, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Very similar stuff. So I get it. Uh but like you, yeah, I I really enjoyed Green Book a lot. It was one of my favorites of the year. While I will say, yeah, maybe it didn't quite deserve best picture. I do think it was just a it, two great performances and a great story. So yeah, I liked it. Yeah, 100%. It's it, it was a phenomenal movie. Uh not my favorite of the year, but up there for sure. Uh, so I have two. I, I saw three movies in theaters, bro. Use those stubs up, bro. I, one that I will wholeheartedly recommend, and that is Apollo 11. It's the documentary. Uh, holy shit. Is this, it's, it's all fly on the wall footage. So none of it is, there's no narration. There's nothing like that. It's just footage of the real people as this was happening and just showing you kind of from the boots on the ground view of what, how dangerous this mission was and like the insanity of it all. And it doesn't, I I still have yet to see first man, which I really do want to see Damien Chazelle's, uh, you know, Ryan Gosling on Neil Armstrong. I I haven't gotten the chance to see it yet. As soon as I do, I'd love to compare them because this is just, yeah, like masterfully rendered archive footage of the Apollo 11, the, and it's mind-blowing, like just great sound and truly fascinating footage. So I will recommend if it's playing anywhere near you or when it comes out on either Hulu or Netflix or wherever. But if you can see it in a theater, do so, because the holy shit, what an experience. I liked it a lot. Um, 
Yeah. And then I saw two movies that I I honestly don't know if I recommend either of them. I I can't say they're bad movies. The first one was Greta, that Chloe Grace Moretz one where that old lady's like stalking her, the uh, Isabelle Huppert. You know, it's kind of, it starts off, it seems like it's like a Brian De Palma, like 80s retro femme fatale, just like a crazy woman doing crazy ass things, kind of like single white female or something like that. And then it does, like, some strange character shifts, and I, I don't know. I, I didn't quite hate it, and I didn't quite like it, so I don't know. If you if you see the trailer or something, you know, check it out if you want. And then the, the other movie that I did see that I kind of feel the same way, sadly, about is Captain Marvel. I, I, uh, I checked that out. You know, again, I think it's just probably the superhero fatigue, um, but and I know a lot of people are so div- weirdly divided on this. Why do people do this? What What is this new trend of everyone, like, jumping on a bandwagon to either hate or love something well before anyone's seen it? I don't understand it, and I don't under—I mean, there's obviously people out there who are disliking it for sexist reasons, which is just fucking stupid. If, if the fact that Captain Marvel's a woman is your— sole problem with that movie you can go fuck yourself (laughs) yeah it's insane it's insane and then then you look at like the extreme other side because i don't think a lot of people feel that way or the other way uh, to the extreme other side which is like if you don't like this movie you're you know you could be considered anti-feminist and you're you're simply disliking the movie because you're a a man or something like that or that's yeah that 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 can't be true either i feel like you have to be able to form an opinion (laughs) you know just based on the content of the film and so i feel like like most people, the people who aren't on Twitter and all this other bullshit ranting and raving feel like most of us do, which was me, which was I'm going to go in with this with an open mind. I hope it's good. And I came out with it like, yeah, that was that was fine. Like, I think I've just seen so many of them that it's like, all right, it, it was it felt a little like first phase area there with like it felt like a Thor or Captain America, which those movies were like they were fine, but they got a lot better. And I think maybe she'll get better. But it didn't feel like a Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr., like, holy shit, that person is that character. I just, I left with it like, it was fine. I will say this, having not seen the movie yet, I do plan on seeing it eventually. I don't know if I'll see it in theaters or not. But I will say this, having just seen the trailers, it looked like exactly what you said, kind of phase one, just like, it looks like another superhero movie to me. I love Brie Larson for the record. I think she's phenomenal and her alone might get me to just go see this movie. But I mean, it just, it looks like the same, same old song and dance to me. It just not really looking like it was appealing. So that kind of doesn't surprise me. The early returns on it have been mostly favorable but nothing fantastic yeah Yeah, Brie Larson's fantastic she was in what short term 12 and room two of my favorite movies the past couple years like those are great 21 jump street dude yeah dude she's funny in that too she is funny in that um but she's a phenomenal actress and if she's the reason you don't want to go see captain marvel what is wrong with sam jackson's great in it too he's always good and the de-aging it's the first time the very first time that i was fully able to just suspend my disbelief and watch (laughs) the character without being like he looks like gumby or some weird face some like polar express look he looked legit and i'm i'm fascinated by how far they'll take this shit and he's like, 70 yeah the fact that he's 70 but like even like watching him on jimmy kimmel the other night the guy I, I, the fact that he's 70 blows my goddamn mind but he looks great he's a solid oh, 70 uh, the most solid <laughs> but like looking at this technology i am scared at like will actors never die will they just use re-recorded dialogue and just cgi their face onto anybody like it's gonna i don't know dude <laughs> i don't know what's gonna happen i mean if it brings sam jackson into a shit ton of movies i'm okay with it all right so 
Great. Five different movies to go see or maybe skip. We're doing pretty good. Next week's movie, uh, we'll see if, it's, if it holds up as well as uh, as Ants. I'm not sure because I don't think... <laughs> Ooh, I don't think so. I don't know if you had watched this movie a lot or, or what your deal is with it. Uh, but Dude, it's... I've seen this movie uh, half of a time. I don't even <laughs> think I've sat through the entire thing and people are going to get so mad when they hear what it is. Oh, gosh. I wouldn't say it's a classic of my childhood, but I watched it a shit ton in my teenage years. And that is uh, 2001's. The Fast and the Furious. That's right. We, fu- I mean, we have to do it, right? We have to fucking do it. Yeah. Rev your engines. Dominic Toretto is coming. How many fucking movies have been spawned out of this, and people are so fucking into Fast and Furious, and it's about family. Whether or not you or I feel nostalgic about it, it's a movie that clearly sits with a lot of people. So let's just fucking get it over with. Yeah, we owe it to our audience to do this, especially with Hobbs and Shaw coming out this year. Have you seen that trailer? Yeah, that's right. Fuck yeah, I've seen that trailer. How could you not? It's everywhere. And and it meant absolutely nothing to me. Maybe it'll mean something next week. I guarantee it won't, because neither of those characters are referenced in the very first film. Oh, well, then who fucking, well, then who fucking cares? I don't care, then. Never mind. <laughs> All right, well, tune in next week when we finally get to get behind Vin Diesel's greasy dome riding shotgun for Fast and the Furious. <laughs> All right, folks, so that does it for this week. Before we go, we just want to let you know you can catch this and all the other episodes of nostalgia be damned by checking out nbd.podbean.com you can also find us on itunes and apple podcast and a couple of other podcasting sites you can listen to some of these episodes that we referenced earlier like all the former dreamworks movies and all a bunch of other shit too we still haven't covered shark tale yet though maybe that's in the future Maybe next week? Just kidding. <laughs> no. Fast and Furious next week. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. Shoot us an email at nostalgiabedamnedpod at gmail.com if you'd like to request something for us to do in the future. We love your faces, we love your spirits, and we hope you have a wonderful week. Don't forget to tell your friends about the podcast. Yeah, dude. Don't be an ant. Yikes. Ugh. What does that mean? Don't be an ant? Wait, I, that's the end of Nostalgia Be Damned Forever. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm glad we could get a that's the end joke in there by the end. Yeah. I can see all obstacles in my way. Gone are the dark clouds that had me blind. It's gonna be a bright.